thanks so much for watching Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta, and we're welcomed by Dr. Catherine Twombly, who is a professor of pediatrics, chief of pediatric nephrology, medical director of the Pediatric Kidney Transplant Program, and program director of the Pediatric Nephrology Fellowship. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We are excited to talk to you today and learn more about the treatment that you've been specializing in that you spend a lot of time on, and then also how your work at MUSC has allowed you to treat these patients more effectively. So can you tell us a little bit about how does the culture at MUSC allow you to treat each of these patients in the way that they need to be treated for their condition? So MUSC is great in that it allows us to treat the patient, not just the disease. And so what that means as a physician is that I can look at each individual patient, look at how they're responding to different treatments. And if they don't follow the textbook, I'm able to deviate without going through too many hurdles to do that. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I mean, it's incredible to us every time Catherine, that we've met with folks from MUSC, how they uh, they credit the culture of the organization. I think it uh, to Stephanie and I, it's particularly uh, mind blowing that that that's the level of culture that's been built. So, how does that play out? From you know, have, has that continued to be a recurring theme for you as you're doing research? Does it play out on a clinical perspective as well? Do you have any other anecdotes that you can share about how that becomes evident? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts at even the, you know, beginning levels. It's not just, you know, the upper administration that follows this. That leadership has kind of um, trickled down even to, like me as the division chief. If my faculty come to me with an idea that they just came back from a conference and there's this new great treatment that's been studied and it has all these wonderful benefits, Um, As long as they can show that it is a beneficial treatment, I'm not going to give them pushback on trying it. So, you know, that each step of the way has to have that culture. And I think administration has just done a fantastic job in instilling that um, lack of barriers into the process of treating our patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You mentioned that earlier, is that in terms of uh, the process itself, it seems to not have as many barriers. So is there a way in which those barriers are removed? Uh, why is it that one institution is able to implement that? Others are not. Uh, you know, is it how does how does that kind of a culture actually get so widely disseminated? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's a culture in and of itself, right? So if everybody lives that culture, the barriers are not there. Now, there's still the barriers and we want it done safely. We have to get it approved. You know, there's still these steps, but it's a much easier process going through these steps. So if everybody along the way wants that um, innovation and wants the patients to do well, you don't get as many of those administrative hurdles that you do in other places. If, you know, it's, it's some places are always trying to find ways for you not to do what you need to do. Whereas here, they're trying, they're finding ways to help you do what you want to do. So it's just a different way of thinking. And that different way of thinking changes the culture in and of itself. What's that like being a provider 
who has experienced some of these other environments and then being able to come into a place like MUSC where you feel empowered to make these decisions for your patients mm-hmm. without having to worry about the administrative burden that might have blocked you at other places, even though they have good intentions too, there still right. has to be a freedom knowing that you can do what's right for these patients. Absolutely. You can, I mean, it's, you know, the first time I wanted to try a new drug, I went to pharmacy and I was like, Hey, you know, I know we don't have this on formulation, but you know, this here's, several papers of how this drug works. How do I do this? And within two or three hours, they were like, well, um, it'll take us 48 hours to get it. And um, we'll have to do it on an experimental process. And then if you want to use this on other patients, you have to go through X, Y, and Z committees. But because this is emergent use, I mean, everybody went out of their way to get what this patient needed. So it's, it's just, wow. I mean, other institutions I've been at, that would have been like a two month process just to get an emergency use drug. And here it was a two day process and only because they had to order it and have it shipped, not because I had to have it (laughs) approved. So it's great. I know when I'm treating my patients that I'm treating them like I would my own child and I don't have to worry about going through, um, you know, some of the unnecessary hoops that other places go to. We still have hoops to go through and we still have to do things in the right way. But like I said, it's a different mindset going through the process. They're thinking, how can we help you if they know this is the right thing to do rather than trying to think of every possible thing that could go wrong and why they should not allow you to do this. This is really amazing. You, you, you know, you, to you, you've established this culture. The organization's established this culture. It's really profound, uh, you know. And I think when, mm-hmm. when I, when I think of helping clients establish culture, oftentimes we think of rewards that, or, or, or uh, disincentives. So, are there any such in place? I mean, ultimately, is there a reward mechanism that allows for this kind of culture to develop, or is it developing despite that? You know. <laughs> Most people who go into medicine go into medicine because they want to help people, right? So the disincentives that happen at other places are you have a drug that you know you can treat this patient with, but you're not allowed to give it. So the incentive here is I'm treating my patients and I know I'm doing absolutely everything I can to help them get better. And I'm not being um, burdened by the disincentive of we've never used this drug, we're not going to do it because we've never done it. We're going to do it because it's the right thing to do, even though we've never done it. And we might have to be a little more careful. We might have to do it in a safer setting because we don't understand it, but we're going to do it. And so that in and of itself is the incentive that you need to do that. Um, There's no... um, you know, they do do like different um, programs for innovation and, and things throughout, but uh, I don't think people are doing the innovation because they're being rewarded. They're doing it because the reward of your patients getting better is all you need. What is it like whenever you're dealing with some of these patient families who certainly have been in systems and situations where they have encountered these boundaries and 
and they're stuck and they know that they couldn't get this treatment. It's going to be a month-long process. And then they see somebody like you who says, okay, this is going to take us a little bit of time. And then you say 48 hours and they're, right. they're shocked. It's not 48 days. So right. what is it like to see that real, it has to be relief or just hope. It's amazing. And, you know, we've had, you know, word spreads, you know, a lot of our families, especially with nephrotic syndrome, there's a lot of patient family groups, you know, social media groups and support groups and things. And um, I have patients from all over the U.S. reach out to me, you know, with some of the treatments we're doing and some of the studies we're doing because their center's not taking part in them or their center won't allow them to use a drug that we've used and been successful in. And so um, it's amazing to see all these families you know, working with each other and, you know, reaching out to us and saying, can you help us? Obviously you've felt empowered to be able to bring some of these new treatments. So why don't you tell us about the treatment that you've been using that has really been transforming lives and what that's been like truly in living daily life for some of these kids? Yeah. So the newest therapy we've been doing is something called LDL apheresis, which is, um, low density lipoprotein uh, apheresis. Most people probably know LDL as the bad cholesterol, right? And that's exactly what this machine does. It um, takes the blood, removes all the cholesterol out of it, the LDL proteins, and then gives the blood back to the patient. And this is one of those examples of a machine that I brought in as an emergency use um, at the last minute with, you know, the help of, of MUSC to be able to treat a child. And, and it was fantastic and it worked. This was a, um, I can't remember if she was four or five at the time, but very young and came to us from another center for a second opinion for treatment of her nephrotic syndrome. She had been on every medication that we could use um, to treat it. And she had not responded. And unfortunately she ended up in renal failure in our ICU on dialysis. And we had this machine only because um, it was being used for familial hypercholesterolemia in adults. So some people are just born with a gene that makes you make cholesterol all the time. And this is the only way to get rid of it. But there were new studies out that showed um, these studies were from Japan and they had been treating children with nephrotic syndrome with this machine and they had had some remarkable results. And so I was able to make a few phone calls send some research around some papers. And within two or three days, I had approval to do this treatment on this child. And we started the treatment and she went into complete remission and 10 years later, she's never had another relapse. That's just stunning. I, I just appreciate how you've taken us through that. So, so you were already aware of the research. You knew that this could work. You'd already gotten the machine approved. And then this just happened to be the first patient that came in. Well, we didn't have it approved for this indication. I see. It had been approved for years for the hypercholesterolemia, but there was just some new data coming out about it for, um, you know, treatment of nephrotic syndrome. So when this patient went into um, renal failure and ended up in the ICU, I was, you know, I went through all of her medical records and she had been on everything and we didn't really have anything else to offer her. So this was the only thing 
Mm-hmm. And I told the family, I was like, you know, I've never done it. Um, but if you're willing to try it, I'm willing to try it. There's some great results. And the family was like, whatever you can offer us. Do you see that patient now? Absolutely. I see her every six months. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's really mind blowing that what you're telling us, Catherine. So I guess the question I was going to ask related to that is how do these, how do these pe- people even find you then? I mean, do they just know that you're the center and you're the experts and if there's any hope that it will be there uh, and, and even internally, do people just know that, Hey, they just have to reach out to you in the event that you have some form of therapy that could be helpful. Um, so within the state, um, all the centers know that we we offer this therapy. We've done it on children um, from other centers here. So they'll send the children here. Um, in the Southeast, there, there's only a handful of places that actually offer this treatment for children within the United States. Uh, there's a couple of centers on the Southeast. So, you know, I've published on this therapy now. So doctors know that we offer it. I presented at national meetings on this. So people know that we offer it. And then the families and the social media um, support groups that these families have is amazing. And I get referrals. I get self-referrals from patients who their child's been on a bunch of medications and it's never worked. And they will find my email, my work email, and they'll email me and say, hey, can we, can we talk? And um so I get referrals from all kinds of places when people find out we're, we're doing different things. And I get calls from doctors too. Hey, how did you get your university to approve this? You know, <laughs> we want to do this at our center. How did you do it? <laughs> like it's a little different. <laughs> well, what a remarkable story of uh, the patient level impact you're making, because as you said, your facility uh, is, is in that mindset of helping to make these things happen. And really tremendous. Mm-hmm. Along these lines, is there uh, another treatment coming down the pike that you see as potentially also helpful, uh, anything along those lines, or you see anything else happening at MUSC that you think we should be aware of uh, that will, again, open our eyes and blow our minds about the culture of innovation there? Well, we have several um, really cool uh, nephrotic syndrome trials right now. One that I think is just super cool because of my nerdy science brain um, is a study called Neptune. And we're enrolling patients with nephrotic syndrome. They're doing um, metabolic studies and metabolomics and um, genetics, and they are doing precision medicine with these patients. So based on the profile of the patient, they're offering patients research studies that they're most likely to have a response with. So in the old days, you know, if you had a a study for nephrotic syndrome and you had this new drug X that you want to try, you enroll all your patients and you have no clue who's going to respond and who's not. This group is actually taking the patients, running metabolomics and genetics, and saying this patient's more likely to respond to this drug, so we're going to offer them this drug trial based on on their on their characteristics rather than a one shot one size fits all. So I think that is super cool, and that's going to be hopefully the wave of the future. Is rather than everybody starting on the same drug, let's see based on your profile, what drug are you most likely going to respond to? In a field like this, when you have people who, you know, may need treatment 
for the rest of their lives or may need a mm-hmm. transplant, things that sometimes might seem like they're unable to overcome. And then mm-hmm. over the last decade alone, you've been able to see some of these other things come online and you're excited about some of the precision medicine opportunities that are coming up now. Mm-hmm. What does this look like for you? And what does it look like for your patients? How does this reinvigoration, I guess, of these treatments of things that may not have seemed treatable before or long-term treatable now look for them? Oh gosh, what does it mean? It means everything. I mean, it's, it's a it's a whole nother way of thinking about medicine, right? So if I can find treatments for people early that they respond to, then I might not have someone who has a long-term illness. You know, I've I've been found the drug, the damage is not being done by years and years and years of going through all the different options until we find one that is there. So, you know, precision medicine is, is really going to be a game changer with, with how we practice. And so it, it just means we're constant learners, you know, I mean, they're, you know, people in the field are redefining how medicine is practiced and, um, that's what makes it fun and interesting is it's always changing and you just have to stay up to date with it. And I think now going forward, more than anything, it's going to be vitally important for physicians to stay up to date with the current research and the literature, but not forget your roots where you came from at the same time. And sometimes the old therapies are just as good as the new ones. So you have to treat the patient, not the disease. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this really amazing information with us. We love hearing about the culture and obviously the new interventions that you've been working with. Of course. Thank you for having me. So encouraging and and really so inspiring. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. And thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye.